0: Rip City! To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this beautiful Friday the 13th of April. You are listening to the Podland Trailcasters. I am Keith Feltner-Smith, here with me as
1: always, the daring, the dashing, the beautiful, and the bold, Brandon Goldner. What's up, Pete? Roxanne, you don't have to put on the red light.
2: Those Jersey, because we're talking Blazers playoffs. And if you want to reach out to the Trailcasters, you can always do that at Trailcasters on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Remember that we would love your five star reviews. I know that I just missed something. You want to check us out at Trailcasters to gmail.com for those emails. I am way out of sorts. We also have a website, it is just Trailcasters.com. And now we get to the part where I'm asking and begging you for those five star reviews, whether it's on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Doesn't matter. What does matter are your five star reviews because we love. I love them just because I love you too, Keith. What is going on? How are you doing? Why am I so excited? I'm hyperventilating. It's the
0: playoffs. I'm super pumped. What is going on? You have so many reasons to be excited. We have had a great end of the regular season. We are stoked on the postseason coming up, and today we have a very special episode for you. Obviously, we're here on a Friday instead of the usual Sunday. Preston Ellis from the Bird Rights is joining us today to talk about the upcoming series between the Pelicans and the and the Blazers. Excuse me, almost forgot where I was. Brandon's <laughs> over there, confused me with his little mambo dance, Brandon. We, uh, Preston's is going to be here soon <laughs> Dan, <laughs> pre- Oh man, the excitement is just overwhelming for the, for the season, obviously What a game we had the other night, Brandon How about that one? We were both there for that final Regular season game, fan appreciation night In the Rose Garden, Blazers Take down Utah, how about it? It was absolutely
2: unbelievable. I have to say that was the second most incredible Blazer game I've ever attended. It, right behind, I was there for the point nine shot against Houston. Yes. I will absolutely never forget that. But I just have to humble brag, not even humble brag, just regular brag for a second. Because I went down to the court before the game, and I asked the usher, hey, can I say what up to Lamar Hurd? He taps Lamar Hurd on the shoulder. Lamar turns around and says, hey, Brandon. And I'm like, how the hell do you know who I am? And he's like, I'm not going to forget that. Seriously, he's like, I'm not going to forget get that hair is like whoa dude so that happened <laughs> that's number 1 number 2 the blazers used my where in the world picture during the blazers podcast yes. me jumping in the air like a sasquatch in Iceland so that was incredible and then to top it all off well (laughs) I also saw you and Abby so that was dope too and I was there with my brother-in-law so all that's good but to top it all off during halftime someone came up to me and said are you Brandon Goldner and I was like yeah and he's like I love your podcast I was like no shit and that has never ever (laughs) happened before (laughs) like that has never happened before so all and the Blazers won obviously that's the most important thing the Blazers won so all this is to say it was totally incredible why don't we talk about that game a little bit. Let's start right here. Did you expect the Blazers to win? And did you expect them
0: to win as relatively easily as they did? Because to be honest, I definitely didn't. I did not either. I thought that was going to be a serious threat of a gamer at the end of the season. I was so worried that we were going to end uh, at 48 uh, wins after losing the four in a row. And man, I guess if we hadn't won a game since the 1st of April, it just that would have been a horrible, cruel joke to end the season on. But man, we were ahead at one point, I think by more than 20. We yeah. end the game with a 102-93 to 93 victory. Very solid. Like you said, you were there with your brother-in-law. I was there with my wife and my parents. My uh, neighbor was there. I had co workers there. Wait, your
1: parents were there? Yeah, yeah, they were on the other side of us. Yeah, you you took the picture with us. I didn't realize those were your parents, dude. You should introduce <laughs> me. Why? <laughs> I can't believe I'm just learning this
2: now. Oh, I'm so oh, embarrassed. Man, that was great.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, oh, dad, he's listening to the pod for sure. You didn't
2: even introduce me. Look how little you care about me. No, just kidding. Oh, they—they
0: um, they already know your face. They know who you are. They didn't need the introduction. They're, they, they, they know that Sasquatch you, like, hey, hair. They—they they know all about it. That's wild. And I love that the Sasquatch hair has become like the thing now. Like we started this on the pod. I don't know. Maybe you said it before, but I'm saying that we started on the pod.
2: Yeah. No. I mean, it, it, honestly, when they did, I—I rewatched the broadcast when they did the wear in the world. Lamar had mentioned that he met me and that he recognized my hair. Anyway, it was just it was such a cool game. Um, I was in standing room only. You were in the richy-rich bourgeoisie seats that had a back to it and arms. 300 and, life. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm not trying to say you were like courtside or anything, but yeah, standing room was dope. Um, someone did steal my brother-in-law's shirt. You know how they gave shirts to everybody in the arena? So by the time we got there, his was gone. But... Uh, fortunately we were able to find somebody else who was generous enough to give them, uh, give him their shirt, which was dope. We did not steal it from someone else. I refused to do that. That would not have been fair. Um, th- let me ask you this though, about that game. I mean, obviously uh, there's a lot we could say about this game and it was an incredible way to end the regular season. You'd mentioned the blazers were up by 21 and that lead kind of whittled down. Did that concern you at all that they couldn't keep that lead at, at, at 20 or even in double digits?
0: No, honestly, I, 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 I... It never got small enough. Even when it was down to, I think, even six or eight points, it never felt small enough to bleed that the Pelicans... Or the Pelicans. I'm already looking ahead. That the Jazz (laughs) were actually a threat at that point. Uh, Once we had built it up there, I was like, okay, we're good. It did seem like maybe... Stotts was trying to rest some of the the players a little bit, get uh, get the game over a little earlier for some of the uh, bigger role players, and that was a little scary when he starts to pull them out, and then the lead starts to to fall apart. But again, when you know, look at that run we saw the other night, the 17-0 run by the end of the bench warmers, I was never really that worried. I'm not saying that was I was expecting that to happen again, but yeah, it didn't seem like he was ever really in doubt.
2: I I feel the same way. I mean, I obviously wish they would have won by 20, but you're right. Hmm. The lead never felt threatened. Now, the energy at the Moda Center, at the Rose Garden, at the Rose Moda Garden Center, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) the energy definitely felt like a playoff game. I am pumped because I was able to get tickets to every one of the home playoff games uh, in the first round. So I'm super stoked about that. Uh, and speaking of the energy of the arena, unless you have anything else to say, actually, let me ask you this. Do you have anything else to say about that Blazers-Jazz no, game? On, You're shaking on. your head no. Actually, I do have one more thing to say. The jerseys for both teams were fresh. I yes. like those Utah Sunset
0: jerseys. I am all about those. Um They're- They'll go for it. The one, yeah. the, the, one, the one problem I have with those jerseys, they are nice, but it, the, the color scheme is always gonna remind me of Phoenix. Maybe it's just from part of living there and watching that team for so long, but you have orange being so prevalent in the jersey. The only team I'm thinking of is Phoenix.
2: That's fair. And it also I think that they were referencing the kind of the natural landscape of Utah and how the sun hits yeah. stuff. So like but I get it. Yeah, you're right. They are pretty orange. Um so Again, speaking of the energy at the Moda Center, the Trailcasters did a little broadcast from the Moda Center. If you're following us on Twitter, at Trailcasters, you would see that we actually released a SoundCloud link to a little five-minute blurb, and we want to share that with you now. It's a couple reports from me from the first quarter, the end of the game, and you and me, Keith, talking at the Pines in the Moda Center at halftime. So without further ado, it's about five minutes long. It's a little Trailcasters report live from the Moda Center. Let's hear it. What is up? This is Brandon Goldner, of the Trailcaster, sporting live, well, kind of live from the Moda Center here. 8 to 2, Blazers up on the Jazz about three minutes into the first quarter. Have to say, feeling pretty good about things. The Pelicans overcoming the Spurs by double digits. That means the Blazers can do no worse than home court advantage. Shout to the dude next to me let me know in the first take I said Jazz instead of Spurs, so shout out to him. I've been reporting a couple more times during the game, but so far offense looking pretty good. James had a couple of threes, have a turnover put someone in the spin cycle. Gotta love that. And the defense is looking about as tasty as you can expect until a few minutes left. Brandon and the TrailCaster is signing off. See you in a bit. All right, we are through one quarter of action. The Blazers are up 28 21. Blazers did have an opportunity to get the shot at the last minute to end the quarter. Pat Connaughton get they, did get blocked. Excuse me. It's kind of tough to be reporting when you're up in standing room only with the beer in one hand and the phone in the other. I do have to say, really, really liking the energy is probably the biggest thing to take away from the first quarter. The Blazers look totally engaged, way different than they've looked during this four game skid where they have not been looking themselves. This game, they very much look like the Blazers that went on a 13. 13- streak, enjoying it quite a bit. The energy here at Moda is about as high as you can get, given that it's only been one quarter. Three more quarters to go. Looking forward to it again. Blazers on 28-21, three quarters to play. Hello, Rip City. What is up? The Trailcast is coming to you kind of live from the Moda Center at the Pines. Keith is here with me. Keith. Shout out. Shout out to the
1: Trailcast. Which are us. <laughs> Keith, what are you thinking of this first half so far? Oh, man, we are crushing it so far. We're up 14 right now. I've got a, a Utah fans sitting right behind me, so I'm containing myself as well as I possibly can. So is that guy, is he talking shit, or what's his deal? He's not talking too bad. His girl might be talking a little bit, but, hey, we're all keeping smiles. We're having a good time. All right, so let me ask you this. I did not I'll – just, I'll just, I'm going to admit this right off the bat. I did not think the Blazers would be leading a double digit lead. Right? Was, was this within your realm of possibility the Blazers being up double digits on the Jazz at halftime? Well, look, I predicted from the get go, if you remember, I said we would go 2 and 0 this week. So yeah, I, knew, I knew it could happen. I'm just saying, I, I, I'm not sure if it's going to be 14 up at half, man. I feel pretty good about that. No. I'll say that our guest from last week, Ian Carmel, shout,
2: shout out, out again. He said that the Blazers would go one and one, yes. on the strip. and he's the one who actually said that they would win this game against Utah. He did. He did. So I kind of feel like if they do, then I'm going to give the credit to Ian on that one. So if there were two keys, two keys to the second half.
1: Keith's keys the second half. You got two of them. What are the two keys to the Blazer to keep this lead in the second half? The big keys to the second half, in my opinion, contain Donovan Mitchell. He does not shoot a high percentage from the three point line, but he can hit from there. He's going to contain that shot. Uh, other than that, I would say. Get the audience to get on the refs as much as possible because man, <laughs> they're making some the crap calls so far. What was that deal with like Zach Collins, like set of screens? Right. He didn't even move. He didn't move. And how about Rudy Gobert setting constant moving screens and doesn't get called for at least twice tonight? Did not get called for moving screen. All right, so the Blazers dropped those ditches on the Jazz, looking good for at least home court is already locked in, looking good for the Trail. Again, come for you live. Please, uh, if you have any more comments about the game, rise at Trailcast on IG, Facebook, or Twitter. Uh, rise at Trailcast at gmail.com. And please send us those five stars. five stars. Five star reviews. Trailcasters out. This is Brandon. And Keith, how are you?
2: Alright, about four minutes going in third quarter here. Blazers up 70-55. to 55. My voice is going away slowly but surely. The more I yell, the less I can talk. Dave drove in the lane got fouled at the line now. The energy at the motor Center is a little bit uh, lower than it was earlier in the game. Of course, you reach that lower, they get the double-digit lead up to 20, and when you start giving up a little bit, people get a little bit maybe relaxed, maybe a little bit tentative. That's fair. We're going to have the entire fourth quarter to go again. The Blazers are going to get home-quarter advantage no matter what, but they're fighting for the third seed. Ed Davis subbing yeah. Blazers up seventy-one now fifty-five. Game at the line for one more about four minutes to go in the third quarter. And as you might be able to tell, the Blazers are taking a twenty-one point lead into the fourth quarter, eighty to fifty-nine. Absolutely unbelievable. Energy here has got quite- a. You might imagine, as you might imagine, since the beginning of the third quarter, enjoying it quite a bit. Again, 80 to 59 Blazers. The entire fourth quarter yet to go, but it looks like the three seed is more or less locked up. Alright, the Blazers have overcome the Utah Jazz 102. 102- Obviously would have loved to see that 20-point lead stick around, but it doesn't matter Win a win is win. Blazers secure the three seed. Damian Lowett is getting to walk off interview with Percolza down. I'm down here with Keith Felder Smith and his wonderful life, Abby. I don't know where my brother-in-law went. He went somewhere, but at any rate, oh he's right there. At any rate, the Blazers do pull it out. They get the three seed. One 2 two ninety-three of the Utah Jazz. Big win. And we are back, uh, now, look, Utah, that's great. It's in the rearview mirror, we can move on. Let's talk a little bit about the Pelicans before we introduce our guest, Preston. So, one thing that we didn't get to talk about because we were a little bit short on time with Preston was that the Pelicans fans really wanted to see the Blazers in this matchup. Um, If you're not just looking at the last game of the season, if you're thinking about the last week, uh, are the Pelicans, were they one of your more preferred matchups in these playoffs?
0: No, honestly, the, I, I we I talked about this a little bit with Ty when he was on, too, and we kind of went back and forth about this. The Pelicans are more one of the teams that I'm a little intimidated by in the first round. I wouldn't have been quite as concerned with the Spurs, although they still have Popovich. They've got other issues going on. I wouldn't have been quite as concerned with OKC because while they still have star power, we've played them so well recently. Uh, the Pelicans, we we divided the series with uh, just like with the Jazz. Those two teams were really the ones that I feel a little less comfortable facing, but Again, just it, it may, it's recency bias without a doubt. But seeing the way that we played Utah in the end, I feel like the Blazers really are starting to come out. They're not entering the the playoffs in a funk after the losing streak. They came back with a a much better feeling and hopefully riding some momentum going into the first game.
2: I definitely agree with that. It's obviously so great to have Ed Davis back. That's going to help against these Pelicans. Hopefully, Mo Harkless is going to come back soon. We have some reporting from Jason Quick. Saying that Mo Harkless is targeting the middle of next week to come back, which maybe put him around game three. If you heard yep. the Rip City report that dropped today with Casey Holdall and Joe Freeman, uh, Casey actually said that he didn't have any specific knowledge to back this up, which. To be frank, I think that that means that he might have some specific knowledge that right. didn't really want to share. It. <laughs> he's thinking that Mo Harkless. He he's actually said he'd be surprised if he's not back by game two, which would obviously oh. be a huge boost to the Blazers. I mean, if Mo Harkless comes back in game two, does that change your prediction? And I'm not going to spoil it now because you give your prediction at the end of this interview with Preston. But if Mo Harkless comes back for game two, does that make you think of this series in a more favorable light for the Blazers?
0: It definitely makes it more favorable. I don't know if it's going to change my prediction too much. I think it's still is going to sit around the same window because I don't think Mo is consistent enough to swing it that favorably in one direction. I think he certainly, he's a factor that tilts a little more our direction, but it doesn't make it an insurmountable, uh, insurmountable hurdle for Anthony Davis either. So it's, it really could go either way. I feel like Blazers are on top. I think I even saw on the jump with Rachel Nichols and Brian Windhorst, uh, they were—I don't remember exactly what the index was they were using, but they said Portland has a 63 percent chance to win. So again, we're favored. That feels better than a coin flip, but it's not that favorable either.
2: Yeah, but I got to slide in here and say every any time and every time someone uses that, oh, there's like a percentage <laughs> that doesn't percentages of odds doesn't work in sports. There are too many variables. I'm not going to get <sighs> on my soapbox and rant about it and do the get off my lawn thing. I'm, I mean,
0: I'm just—I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compile a list of all the analysts and podcasters that you like, sir, that love numbers and think numbers are a huge part of sports.
2: Numbers are. Numbers are a huge part of sports. And here's the thing, is that people who are like anti-analytics, that doesn't make sense because numbers, they can be a way to measure something that might be otherwise difficult to measure. But that does not extend to percentages of winning. That is not how sports (laughs) works. We're not rolling dice. We are not at the roulette table or playing craps. Get that out of my face. Okay,
0: okay. Give me this one. How about if, if it's not a percentage, how about if the Blazers and Pelicans played this series 100 times, then Blazers would win 63 of them.
2: No, I don't agree with that. (laughs) Look, here's the deal. Again, like, we're not talking about, like, oh, like, we're gonna, like, Throw a basketball from a machine and see if it like, lands in a garbage can and how many times it's going to happen. No, we're talking about sports, variables, emotions. People get hurt. People go on hot streaks and cold streaks. We talked about with Preston how Nikola Mirotic is on a hot streak, how CJ McCollum's on a cold streak. You can't predict that. You can't explain that. It's the tide comes in, tide comes out.
0: You cannot explain that, Keith there's a hundred parallel universes and 63 of them blazers win and what uh 40 th- 37 of them blazers lose which one of the hundred are we in brandon which well, one
2: i hope that we're in one in which i can finally grow a beard because that would be amazing
0: <laughs> if there's an alternate universe in which brandon has a beard i'd be super stoked about that this is the universe however that we are about to talk with preston ellis let's get him in here joining the real conversation with a real pro
2: Joining us today is the host of the Bird Rights podcast on NBN-Radio, part of uh, the Bird Rights, right, is that site and with SB Nation. uh, Super stoked to have on the line
3: to talk about this Blazers Pelicans series, Preston Ellis. Preston, how's it going, man? I'm pumped, man. It looks like this is going to be a happy marriage, and you got that exactly right. Uh, you can follow our work at TheBirdRights.com. However, our podcast is called The Bird Calls. I know that's a little confusing. And you guys can follow me at Preston L. So thanks for having me, Keith and Brandon.
2: I will say for the listeners, we are doing an experimental no video, so we're going to have to be very mindful of our audio. But Keith, why don't you get us going with the, with the first little segment here?
0: All right, well, I'd say uh, the first thing we're probably going to talk about with the the matchup between these two teams would be looking at the two stars, right? Uh, Dame and AD, I'd say these two, both of these players, more so than most other players in the league, can really go into god mode, wouldn't you say? Uh, I think between the two of them, Dame averaged at 26.9 points per game, AD coming at 28.1, coming a little above on that end. And and I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Preston, was AD leading the league in blocks this year?
3: Uh, AD's up there. He's in the top two, although in the past three months, he's number one in pretty much every major category. Uh, he's been number <laughs> right? one in, yeah, in the past three months, he's been number one in scoring. He's been fifth in rebounding. He's been first in blocks. Uh, of course in the past two and a half months, he's won uh player of the month for both February and that March, April split. But, uh, just like Anthony Davis, Dame Lillard always seems to play his ba- best basketball after the all-star break. And we used to attribute it to the snubbing that used to have annually. Mm-hmm. Uh, every all-star break, he would always get left out of that uh elite group but not this year but you know what it hasn't bothered him he's still come out gum- guns blazing and uh it's 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 gonna be a highlight reel every single night uh, both these guys are probably likely to finish in the top five in mvp voting so plenty of storylines and i'll let you guys introduce the the second one i guess
2: well, yeah, I mean, I'm interested because I actually listened to your podcast that you and uh, your colleagues recorded, I think, shortly after you learned that the Blazers and Pelicans would be meeting in the first round. And the consensus, I think, on your end was that Pelicans fans were looking forward to meeting the Blazers in the playoffs. And so, Preston, I wanted to ask, first of all, how dare you? And second of all, why <laughs> why is it that Pelicans fans were looking forward to meeting the Blazers in the playoffs?
3: Well, if it's either the Blazers, the Warriors or the Rockets, I think we'll take our chances with Port. Portland. With that being said, I think these guys are matched perfectly to play each other. Just one game separates the two of them. An even two to two split this year. That 107 to 103 matchup on March 27th could have gone either way. It took 41 points and 24th quarter points from Dame Lillard. In that matchup, of course, Rajon Rondo was not playing, and Anthony Davis severely sprained his ankle. I think it was right before halftime or right after, but he still gutted his way through it. He's averaging 36 and 12 and a half rebounds uh, in his two contests against the Blazers right now. These are two teams who who have very different styles but are very similar in a lot of ways. Uh, they've got two guys at the top with Dame and CJ who carry their team, and a third guy, and Yusuf Nurkic, the Pelicans, so too, Drew Holiday, Anthony Davis, and Nikola Meretic, surprisingly enough, Try just it, acquired right. two months ago in the past five games. He's put up 26 and 13, and with Nikola Meretic playing that well and playing at the five, there's, there's no telling where these Pels can end up if he can keep that going.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it is pretty crazy how the, the season has broken down between these two teams. I know Portland in the history, they've held a slight edge. Before it even became the Pelicans, I think Portland's record was 30-25. and 25. Since they became the Pelicans, it was 12-7, and 7. and now this season, like you said, 2-2. Uh, two and two, We've each won one game at home and one on the road. Uh, interestingly enough as well, these teams have never met in the postseason, so as much as both fan bases seem to be like, yeah, jazz for this matchup, this is really something that we haven't seen before at all. I don't really know if we have much of a precedent to go off of here.
3: Well, the Pelicans, uh, coincidentally, haven't been to the playoffs against anybody quite often, uh, with, the, <laughs> with the exception of just uh, the Warriors and the Spurs in the past ten right. years. And the Spurs, of course, being against Chris Paul. But when you equate the Pelicans to Golden State, uh, obviously that weekend they had that big upset over Kevin Durant and that group. But Steve Kerr said after the fact, and against the Pacers in the game, and so are preceding that one, I should say, that these guys just don't look like they care very much right now against the Jazz. Of course, mm-hmm. they were blown out by forty points. And of course, the Rockets have kind of had the Pelicans number. The one. One time uh, that David was able to take down Goliath, of course, was that tragic January 26th game with Boogie Cousin when we took down the unbeatable at the time, Chris Paul, James Harden's, and Clint Capella. I think they were like 26 and 0 at the time. And of course, the Pelicans won on ESPN 115 to 113. And as sad as it is to be a Pelicans fan, that was probably one of the five best moments in pelicans new orleans hornets <laughs> history and to have it just coincide with that horrifying injury uh that that just kind of spells what it's been like to be a pelicans fan in the past seven years but with that being said just to continue what we were talking about this is going to be a really even match it's going to be a very exciting match both teams have ways that they can attack each other each each weakness and each strength kind of a. Uh, polarizingly separates each other. Uh, you know, the, the the Blazers, a great defensive team. They like to dictate pace. The Pelicans like to dictate their own pace. They're going to they're gonna throw, uh, I, I, I don't know, the collective uh, timer out of the building, and they're just going to push, push, push. <laughs> and the Blazers are going to have to take advantage of their astute rebounding with Al Farouk Amino and Yusuf Nurkish. These guys are uh, both averaging 10 rebounds per game against the Pelicans. So that's not just going to lead to second chance points for the Blazers with the Pelicans are really good at defending. It's going to lead uh, to them being able to dictate pace to slow down the game to kind of disrupt the pelicans rhythm so in that way both teams and, and there's so many matchups that will obviously delve into role players going against role players and of course drew holiday against the two-headed backcourt of damon cj will obviously have to get into that but when it comes down to just like what terry Stotts and alvin gentry like to do these teams are so evenly matched as far as wins and losses go but it's such different styles it's really going to take a butting of heads to see like how each game unfolds and which team dictates each individual matchup
2: Yeah, it's actually wild to think about how even the West is from three through nine, really. Um, And so when we're talking about preferred matchups, really, a lot of these teams, like you said earlier, if it's not the Warriors and not the Rockets, you have a bunch of teams who are really evenly matched. So, you know, three and six doesn't really reflect how good these teams are because they're separated by so little. I want to go back to, you were mentioning role players and rebounding. Uh, Someone for the Pelicans, Nikola Mirotic, has made a huge difference for the Pelicans this year. Obviously, he started off the year with the Bulls. He got in that fight with Bobby Portis. He was inactive for the first 23 games of the season. Then he was traded to the Pelicans. And he's been absolutely on fire the last five games. Mirotic is averaging... Uh, North of 25 points a game, 12 boards, shooting 47% from three. As a Blazers fan, Preston, that is terrifying to me. Um, As a Pelicans fan, how do you see Nikola Mirotic? uh, What do you see his role in this playoff series, given the matchups of the Blazers? What do you see Nikola Mirotic's role in this series?
3: well it's such a uh, it's been defined his role so differently in just the past two weeks of course before that he was that man he was playing uh, power forward with Anthony Davis of course being center next to him uh, Alvin Gentry tried him in the starting lineup but ultimately uh, chose Emeka Okafor over him because Nikola Mirotic was so inconsistent in his shooting defensively he was playing really well and we were actually really surprised we thought we were getting Ryan Anderson but we were actually getting a much more adept defensive player and rebounder than we ever mm-hmm. had with Ryan Anderson on, on that end of the floor he was holding his weight but he just couldn't hit the the broad side of a barn uh he was shooting under 30 percent from three-point range up until two weeks ago but uh in the past two weeks he shaved his beard and alvin gentry i think <laughs> i think he nodded his hand to something that he's going to do against the blazers although we've still been uh been uh debating this behind closed <laughs> doors is mecca okafor in his 14 minutes did such a great job mitigating what yusuf nurkic and al Farouk minu do which is dominate the boards and anybody who's like You know extremely adept with their fundamentals can kind of take use of Nurkic out of his game he likes to take advantage of defenders who like to who like to help defend who like to chase blocks who like to chase steals Uh, he takes advantage of those guys because he's very slippery and he can always find his way to the basket he can use his underhand to get underneath defenders Emeka Mecca Okafor doesn't let him do that but with that being said the Pelicans have been so successful running uh, against these opposing teams like the Clippers like the Warriors like the, uh, the San Antonio Spurs the number one rated defense we still had 34 fast break points against them. They averaged 10 per game. So I think Gentry is going to roll out with Meritich instead of playing Meritich's typical role. He's going to play that Demarcus Cousins role, where he starts at the five next to Anthony Davis and might find himself matched up against Nurkic. And defensively, Nurkic might be able to take advantage of Meritich, but on offense. Hopefully the idea is if Meritich hits his shot early, we might be able to play Nurkic off the floor early on, take advantage of some of that perimeter spacing. And when you see Anthony Davis go to the bench at the end of the first quarter, he usually doesn't play the first six minutes of the second quarter. Nikola Meritich is going to anchor a super small lineup that's probably going to consist of something like Rajon Rondo, Ian Clark, uh, Darius Miller, Salomon Hill, and Nikola Meritich at the five. And that's probably how Meritich is going to be utilized.
0: That's definitely a lot of shooting around uh, around the big AD in the middle, too. And the blazer killer Ian Clark, I know you just mentioned he has given us nightmares before Darius Miller. I haven't really seen that much of uh you know, it, it is interesting to see Miletich in the playoffs here. When the when he was being moved out of Chicago, I was personally rooting for him to be making his way up to Portland. I feel like he could have fit well. I hope that doesn't come back to uh, to sting a little bit at this point. Uh, what are your feelings on Gentry down there in New Orleans? I know he's kind of moved around a bit, and Portland obviously is pretty happy with Stotts overall. Do you feel like Gentry has found a home there, or is he uh, is he maybe on a hot seat with this series?
3: It's interesting because coming into the season, of course, he and general manager Dell Demps were very much not even on a hot seat, on a crispy seat. And there were definitely uh, conversations early on in the year that if this doesn't work out with DeMarcus Cousins, that both of them were going to be on a plane out of town. The tricky part was that Alvin Gentry's style of offense doesn't quite suit what DeMarcus Cousins does. And we've had an Mm -hmm. internal debate about whether or not Alvin Gentry is the perfect fit for two big men. With that being said, he has a wonderful relationship with both these guys and with Drew Holiday and with Rashawn Rondo. And when you've got a bunch of star-level players who like their head coach, of course, you're not going to upset the apple cart. But with that being said, with DeMarcus Cousins out of the lineup, and I want to be really careful with what I say here, the Pelicans are not better. (laughs) Their ceiling is not as high as it was. With DeMarcus Cousins, The Pelicans honestly believe they could challenge for a championship. Without DeMarcus Cousins, they know that that's not within the cards. But with that being said, they can play more the style that Alvin Gentry relishes. He wants the ball in Rajon Rondo's hands. He doesn't want it in DeMarcus Cousins' hand. He wants a creator at the perimeter, you know, kind of drawing and weaving his way through defenses, breaking down defenses, and creating open looks and running out in transition. That's exactly what these Pelicans have been doing. And they've been playing to suit and kind of bringing out his best talents as a head coach. And he's really been doing an expert job job for the most part I've got a couple of critiques uh with managing his rotation specifically in the past two weeks uh so I I think both of these guys are well set to get some kind of extension uh it'll be interesting to see what DeMarcus Cousins gets I don't think anybody's going to extend Dell Demps or Alvin Gentry until that negotiation has reached its climax but at mm-hmm. this point in time I think both of these guys are guaranteed to be back next season
2: so you mentioned Rajon Rondo, and I just have to ask you this, Preston. I mean, you know, he played really well in the in the two games he played for the Chicago Bulls last year in the playoffs. We've heard a lot about playoff Rondo. In your view, do you think that playoff Rondo, is that is that a real thing? And should teams be worried about that, uh, him pumping it up for the playoffs?
3: It's not a thing, and uh, it's, it's cute <laughs> to talk about, and it's, it's fun. And it's ex- You know, uh, Rajon Rondo's having a really good game, so you can attribute it to primetime. must be primetime Rondo, but here's what it is. Against the Warriors, against the Clippers, against the San Antonio Spurs, I'll, I'll take it back one month to March 15th when the Pelicans played against the San Antonio Spurs, and in 24 minutes, Rajon Rondo was a negative 23. Now here's the national media response. Oh, it wasn't on primetime, so the game didn't matter to Rajan Rondo. Here's what actually happened. Rajon Rondo was matched up against DeJounte Murray. Rajon Rondo struggles mightily with these speedy, athletic, long defenders who can take him off the triple, who fight over screens. Rajon Rondo's not going to fight over a screen. He'll cut under a screen. And if somebody's got a long shooting touch, they're going to take advantage of him and they're going to make him switch. And he's going to get paired against somebody that he doesn't feel comfortable with. Now, with that being said, over this weekend against Golden State, he was getting killed by Quinn Cook in the first quarter. In the second quarter, he switched onto Andre Iguodala. And when you pair Rajon Rondo against a guy like an Evan Turner, like an Alphari then you're trusting that those guys are not going to take advantage of him in the post and if they do try to take advantage of him in the post you're going to get help defense from anthony davis who's the best the best help defender in the nba maybe not named rudy gobert so you take your chances with that so if you early on see damian lillard matched up to Rajon Rondo that is definitely an advantage on Portland's side but if you see Rajon Rondo match up against Evan Turner or Al Farouk Aminu you guys need to scratch your heads and you need to make sure that Dame Lindler takes advantage of Etwan one more and that CJ McCollum can manage to fight around screens to score points against Drew Holiday because that's going to slow down your offense significantly and on the other end so too uh people kind of tend to, to to you know Rajon Rondo is called the assist hunter so guys tend to lean back and they they kind of get caught looking across the floor. And in those instances, like lightning, Rajon Rondo will take off off the dribble and he'll kiss it off the glass. And you, he hasn't taken a shot in probably like six game minutes. And all of a sudden he's at the cup and you never see it coming. So guys can kind of fall asleep against him. Everybody's going to need to stay focused and dialed in, not just on the shooters the Pelicans have, but also on Rajon Rondo's ability to get to the basket.
0: Well, that is some excellent detail, and I think you're absolutely right about the switches and how that could affect it. Uh, I want to ask you one more thing before we get on here, maybe turn the tables real fast, let you ask us anything, Preston, before we go. But uh, home court advantage, this was something very important for the Blazers before we were wrapping up the season there at the end. Do you think this plays a big factor? Could this play a factor in this uh, series here between the two teams?
3: I don't at all, and that's that's not a discredit to Portland's Motor Center. I know that you guys have a, a valuable, incredible six man and fan base there. It's that the Pelicans have been just as good on the road this season as they have been at home? At times they've struggled mightily at home. They're twenty four and seventeen in both venues. So I think the Pelicans are definitely going to steal a game in the Motor Center. And this is something I've been talking about a lot over the course of uh, the past three days, both on podcasts and uh, you know on websites like uh, Off the Glass and the Bird Rights and some Blazers Edge type stuff is the pelicans have been battling adversity all season long with hot seats to alvin gentry injuries to rondo solomon hill uh frank jackson uh tony allen omar ashek alexis agenza anthony davis boogie you know to all this trade stuff rachel nichols adrian wojnarowski sit down interviews with <laughs> anthony davis saying he just wants to win this is what the pelicans have been dealing with all season long however The Blazers haven't, they've had the best injury luck of anybody in the NBA. You can argue they really haven't hit that adversity wall yet. And the Pelicans are going to steal a game in the motor center, probably in game one or game two. And when that happens, do the Blazers respond because the Pelicans are not unbeatable in the smoothie King center. In fact, the Pelicans don't have the best fan base in terms of like packing the arena and making lots of noise and making things difficult for an opponent. So the Blazers can definitely come into new Orleans and steal a game, maybe two, but are they going to have the confidence? Are they going to be able to bounce back. Obviously we know that Dame Lillard isn't afraid of anybody, but what about the role players? What about Evan Turner? What about Al Farouk Aminu? What about like Mo Harkless possibly coming back next week and Ed Davis? How are these guys going to be able to respond when, when they get hit in the mouth?
0: Wow. Those are some great, uh, tidbits there for sure. And I, am oh man, do I want to respond on the idea of Pelicans coming in and stealing one here at home? I think it just gets me riled <laughs> up, but I love it, Preston. Uh, let me flip it to you at this point though, before we let you go and get out of here. Do you have any questions for us from our end reg- regarding the, uh, the Blazers perspective?
3: I definitely have so many questions. Um, and and I know that we have a limited timetable. Of course, the number one question on every uh, Pelicans fan's mind, and, and then I want to get more into Nurkic, because Nurkic is definitely one of the X factors in this one, as well as Shabazz Napier, uh, somebody we haven't talked about yet. I know that Pat Connaughton has been struggling, but he was somebody that we were definitely afraid of early on the season, as well as Zach Collins. But but the big question mark on every Pelicans fan mind is... One of your guys is going to explode. We're all terrified of Dame Lillard. So we kind of resigned ourselves to just let him get his 30 to 40 points and just shut down CJ McCollum. And obviously in January, uh, the last time we we matched up with both Boogie and Anthony Davis, both those guys scored 23 points, but they didn't particularly shoot well. I know you're expecting Damian Lillard to play well, and the Pelicans are too. Are you expecting CJ McCollum to play well?
0: Boy, that, that is a great question for it. And that is actually something we were just talking about on our last episode recently. Uh, CJ has not quite had that fire that I think a lot of people have grown accustomed to and expected from him. And we do kind of see that backcourt as a combo, as a tandem between he and Dame. And with it, with CJ falling a little flat, that could definitely be problems that we run into. I would also hope, besides CJ, that Nurk continues to show the beast that he's gone back to of late uh, that we kind of were missing earlier in the season. And yeah, if, C- if CJ could just be that third piece Man, if all three of them are hitting, I got to say, even Anthony Davis and the amazing numbers that he's putting up, I don't know if he can hold them back, but that really is the question. If CJ doesn't show up, I don't know if we can do it with just Dame and half of a beast or most of a beast there. Brennan, what do you think?
2: Well, part of me wants to say that CJ won't play that well because honestly, Rondo and holiday are both really good premier defenders, but law of averages, mm. same thing with mirror being on fire. The last five games, CJ has been ice cold the last seven games, only shooting 37% for the field and 25% from three. That is not going to last. He's going to bounce back. So, I mean, if you had to ask me whether or not CJ is going to have a good series, I'm honestly going to say yes.
3: And that's troublesome for Pelicans fans because we're, we're expecting 30 points from Anthony Davis. Uh, every night we're expecting 20 from drew holiday every night and then after that it's kind of a question mark we're hoping for Nikola Meritich. we're definitely expecting you know somewhere around 15 and 10 or 20 and 10 from Nurkic. we're expecting somewhere around 25 30 points from dame lillard but we're really hoping that drew holiday is just going to totally erase cj mccollum and right. I, and I, I wouldn't worry about Rajon Rondo defensively if he was matched up against Damian Lillard, which I hope to God he's not because Damian Lillard is the exact kind of point guard <laughs> who's going to take advantage of Rajon Rondo. I think Dame is probably going to be matched up with Etouan Moore, somebody who doesn't quite have the foot speed, but he he just has like the technique and the try-hard attitude that he's going to fight over those screens and try to take away that three-point jump shot from Dame Lillard. If Dame gets to the cup, if he can get by Meritich and Anthony Davis, I think they're going to let them live with that. But is CJ McCollum? Is he going to have like that? I don't know that eye of the tiger, that that hunger, sh- because these yeah. these points early on in the second quarter and late in the third, early in the fourth are going to be critical to swing this game either way. And I I tend to think that each night is going to go a different way, but a lot of those units are manned by either Rajon Rondo and Drew Holiday. And I'm assuming they're going to go up against some version of CJ McCollum and Evan Turner. And what kind of chemistry is going to unfold there? And are they going to be able to take advantage of those second units on the Pelicans?
2: Yeah, no, that's totally fair. And look, I know that we're running out of time. It's a bummer. I mean, we could talk for hours and hours about this, but we totally appreciate having you on. But before you go, I have to ask, starting with Preston and going to Keith, and then I'll answer, Preston, what is your prediction for this Blazers-Pelicans series?
3: I definitely think the Pelicans are going to come in here. The Pelicans have nothing to lose. They have no pressure. The The Blazers could sweep them at this point, and you can make any kind of excuse to why it happened and why the Pelicans were just lucky to get to this point. The, the Blazers don't have that luxury. They have Dame Lillard, they would have Yusuf Nurkic, they have CJ McCollum. These guys have been together long enough, especially the the two in the backcourt, that it's about time they start making waves and they start getting into the second round. The Pelicans don't have that pressure, so this, this should be an advantageous position for the pelicans i think it's in seven but uh if if you talk about x factors for the blazers and where i get nervous and it's it's just like i said is cj McCollum. we're we're all banking on the fact that drew holiday is going to be able to 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 take him away or or kind of mitigate his scoring keep him like to 15 points or under if cj can find a way to come to life and kind of expose the pelicans backcourt it's 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 going to turn into a completely different series than the one we're expecting
0: Well, uh, uh, Preston. First, let me just say thank you again so much for coming on. You've been absolutely wonderful uh, talking with us about this. As far as the predictions for the series, I would be shocked if this ended uh, earlier than six games. I I think, like you're saying, this could really come down to the end. It will be a hard-fought series both ways, and it is going to. The the real X factor is going to be which backcourt can get the better of the other, uh, defensively or offensively. I guess I. I would, I would say that I hope it goes, uh, I hope that blazers can close it out in six. If it goes to seven, it's going to be fun to watch, but man, is it going to be a, a coin flip either way? Yeah, I'm with, oh, sorry, go ahead.
3: No, I was just going to say, I, I think something that we've talked about the past two days is this is definitely going to be the most electric and fun series to watch. A lot of people are arguing the 76ers, and the Miami heat. I don't think that one's going to have the scoring, the oh. electricity, the alley oops, just the highlight level basketball, not only the highlight level basketball but they're still going to have the the Pelicans love playing into the final minute. Uh, I think something like, uh, and I'm making this up uh, off memory, but I think it's something like 20 of the final uh, 30 games of the season all came down to seven points or less. So all these games are going to be tied. That's just the way that Pelicans like to play. So if nothing else, this is going to be can't miss basketball for six to seven games.
2: Yeah, I'm with actually both of you thinking it's going to be a close series. I'm hoping and thinking the Blazers close out in six. I think Mo Harkless coming back is going to be a big deal for the Blazers. It really depends on how good that knee is feeling. I mean, there are some videos that came out today of him shooting, putting up some shots, and that's good, but that's obviously not like full court fast-paced basketball play, but I'm going to go with Blazers and six. That's about all the time we have. Preston, we really appreciate having you on. If people wanted to connect with you or find you and your colleagues work, uh, where could they find your stuff?
3: Uh, thank you so much for the plug, by the way, Brandon and Keith. We appreciate it. A- every little bit helps. Of course, we're all like, you know, fighting to get that notoriety, fighting to get noticed, uh, fighting to get our work out there. And of course, it all starts with quality. But after quality, it, it comes from, you know, friendships and connections with you guys like this. So uh, certainly appreciate uh, you guys having me on. Hopefully, uh, one of my partners, Kevin Berrios, will be on with you guys later in the week. With that being said, thebirdrights.com. We are slinging it right now. We've got a great team this year. Uh, I think that there's there's a lot of. uh a lot of websites that you look to across the NBA and you truly admire. And I really say from a point of pride, I think when you guys look at the bird com, you will have that kind of sense of admiration with the kind of level of the guys that we have on our team right now. My podcast is called the bird calls. And I deeply hope that you guys uh, give it a listen, at least during the series. If nothing else, subscribe, tell your friends retweet. And of course you can follow me at Preston
0: Ellis.
2: Awesome. Preston. Thank you very much. Thank
3: you guys.
0: Thank you again to Preston Ellis of BirdRights.com and check out his podcast at The Bird Calls. We'll be having more guests and special content all through the playoff series for you guys. Keep it tuned to uh, at Trailcasters. Keep it tuned to trailcasters at gmail.com. Brandon, I hear those tunes coming in. Tell him the rest of our contact info, sir.
2: Those sweet, sweet beats are always brought to you by Odar. You can check out his work at soundcloud.com slash odarbeats. Be sure to please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Facebook, Facebook and Instagram, that's going to be at trailcasters. You can also find us at just trailcasters.com if you want to send us an email, make fun of me or Keith or both of us at the same time. You can definitely (laughs) do trailcasters at gmail.com, but the most important thing, as always, are those five-star reviews, whether they are on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. (laughs) I don't care where you're leaving those reviews. If you have your own blog and you're making up your own rating system, just give us those maximum ratings. We really appreciate it. But for now, Keith, why don't you get us all
0: All all, all the way out of here. In closing, your honorable (laughs) listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you, Brandon, as always. Thank you, Odar, for the fat beats. Thank you to... Thanks. Excuse me. Thank you to Preston Ellis. Put, try to put those names together. Thank you to Preston Ellis for coming on the show, and thank you to Envy Adventures and Clearly Speaking. As always, most of all, thank you to listeners for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again, and please be sure to come back next time for the next edition of the Trailcasters.